0: Welcome to the show and thank you for taking the time. There's a lot of podcasts out there to listen to, so I appreciate you checking out mine. Hey, real quick, if you don't mind hitting that like button if you're watching on YouTube and also subscribing to my YouTube channel, I would really appreciate that. We just hit 600 subscribers today and my goal is to hit 1,000 by the end of the year. Um, So hopefully we get there. Uh, Now then, let's talk about my guest, He is well over that 1,000 subscriber mark. He has millions of listeners on his podcast, The SDR Show. Ralph Sutton is here today. And besides The SDR Show, he also hosts another podcast about health and wellness called The Good Sugar Podcast. So you may also remember him from his old radio show, The Tour Bus, where they interviewed a lot of uh, 80s rock guys and had a lot of 80s rock music stuff going on. Um, And he's also done work with VH1, Metal Edge Magazine and he was on an episode of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, and he's got some great stories to tell about music and also uh, computer hacking, run-ins with 9-11 hijackers, all the celebrity guests he's had on his show, uh, the stupid reason that their Instagram got taken down, and so much more, so enjoy. Welcome Ralph Sutton to the Chuck Shoot Podcast. How are you doing today?
1: Good, thank you sir. I was like perusing your archives, and you have a lot of my friends on the show with Dee Snider, Carrie Kelly, Jizzy Pearl, a lot of good peeps on your show.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 because you do a lot of the 80s rock.
1: I used to... I had a, a rock radio show for, uh, I don't know, 18, 19 years. We were on about 100 stations. and The tour so bus, right? Then, yeah, the tour bus. So we interviewed all of those people, like uh, uh, Janie Lane, who unfortunately no longer with us, but all the guys in Warrant, I see that over your right shoulder. Oh, yeah. They came in and performed a bunch of times, really good guys. Yeah, all of them were good guys. I love... Yeah, I've had Eric and Joey.
0: So what was it like interviewing Janie then? Because I've never, obviously, gotten the chance to... Because by, by the time I started this, he had passed away, so...
1: You know what was cool? So, um, he, they came in studio and performed live, which was great. And uh, excuse me, <clears throat> they um, they did like a medley of I Saw Red and uh, Blind Faith, and they also did Uncle Tom's Cabin and just cool dudes. And what's funny? This is how you always know when a guy has a good sense of humor and can be take themselves not too seriously. So, I big fan of eighties rock, un, unabashedly so. Huge fan of everything eighties. Me too. My um, intern, or I forget who it was at the time when a uh, couple weeks earlier, we were playing I Saw Red and I was singing my heart out, but obviously my mic wasn't on because it was during their show, mm-hmm. but you could still record the mic even if it wasn't being played out. So my, okay. my intern thought it would be funny and recorded me, who cannot sing, <laughs> destroying the song, right? Yeah. And changing the lyrics to be offensive or just being stupid, you know? I think I said at the end, I hate you, you fucking bitch, or something like this, just being beautiful, <laughs> you know? And, um, we played it for Janie. Afterward, Like, there's oh, I want, to hear, want you to hear my version. Some people would get shitty and be like, um, oh, how dare you, and blah, blah, blah. This, that's my music. Mm-hmm. But he just started laughing. He's like, dude, you really can't sing, can you? Like, no, I can't. And so when people can laugh at themselves, it makes me like them a lot better. You know? Yeah. And then a sad story is maybe a week before he died. Um, I, I could be wrong on the dates a little bit. But he called me. By accident, he had my number on his phone. We had t- talked a few times, but mm. he called me by accident to apologize for getting drunk on stage at a um, Steel Panther show. Okay. And he dialed my number by accident. And I'm like, Oh, you got the wrong guy, man. Uh, you you meant to call uh, Michael Starr, but you called me. I get Starr sutton. Who knows? Mm. Dialed me by accident. He's like, Oh, sorry, dude. All right. I got to go call him. And then he passed away like a few days later, which is really sad. I I did speak to him a few days before he passed.
0: That's crazy. So it sounds like maybe he was trying to make amends
1: a little bit. Yeah, he He was definitely trying to make amends. That's that's crazy. In my mind. And I spoke to michael Starr about it uh a few years later and he said it was something to do with an ex-girlfriend or some crazy nonsense but it was yeah he was calling him to apologize okay
0: yeah i love steel panther too they're one of my favorite i've probably yeah. seen them like 30 times or something my girlfriend's so sick of
1: seeing them because i always drag I her to them. the shows said that uh what's his name left the band uh, yeah do you know the, the
0: story behind that by the way like i don't, I don't. you know okay. i
1: texted michael but uh, he probably doesn't have the time to talk about it right now but um I'm sure there's a, a valid reason. They've been been—they've all been such good friends for so long. A crazy side story. In 2001, I was in L.A. for the Rockstar movie premiere, right? Steel Panther played the after party, mm. right? And they, I, I had heard of them. They were going by Metal School or Metal... They, before Metal School, they were called something else, but Metal something, whatever. I don't remember, but it was before they changed to Steel Panther. And it was an amazing after party. LL Cool J sang a poison song or Def Leppard. It was Zach Wilde got up. It was just a crazy time. Right. And I had never seen them before. And after the show, I wanted to say, look guys, you don't know me, but I have a, a big radio show in, in New York. I would like to fly you guys into New York to do a string of dates in New York, New Jersey. I think uh, Long Island, I think we can make money with you guys as a live event for my show and introduce you guys to the East Coast. They had never played the East Coast before. Wow. And that's what we did. We did a show in Jersey, a show in Long Island, and I forget what the, the third show, I think it was like in upstate New York. I forgot where, but we did three dates. No one had ever heard of them before. The only people there were fans of my radio show. I did not tell them that it's what it was. You know what I mean? You're just coming to see a band. And back then, there was not a lot of internet, so they couldn't just look them up. Mm. And that they will tell you, if you ever interview them on the show, that that was what introduced them to the East Coast. Nobody knew who they were then. That's amazing. So then you get free tickets for life after that? For life. I was supposed to be in like three or four of their videos, and every Uh. time they've invited me to be in a video, I've had a personal tragedy. So I asked them to stop inviting me Uh. to be in videos because my dad died. I thought I had throat cancer. Like one thing after the other. I was like, just don't ask me to be in videos anymore because I make plans. And then that happens.
0: Wait, I'm sorry to hear that. Wait, tell me the story about the throat cancer. What? Why did you oh, think had you had throat had cancer?
1: I had a big nodule appear underneath my chin, and we got it, uh, the biopsy came back inconclusive. So I said, well, just take it the fuck out. Like, I don't want to wait and find it. Oh, what? it's cancerous. Yeah. So was, at the time, I was a, a VJ for VH1 Classic, and um, I had to, which is still to this day, one of the most annoying stories of my life Um. Me and Eddie Trunk would go week after week. I do week A, he'd do week B, and we would both be VJs on VH1 Classic. Yeah, didn't and you guys I'd have probably,
0: a rivalry or something?
1: We did, yeah, we did. And uh, this was like in the midst of that, but um, he does. At this point, like he did much better than me, so kudos to him. Doesn't really fucking <laughs> matter, you know. Yeah. But at this point, um, I was in week A, he was in week B, so we'd both go in for one day every two weeks. And tape for like eight hours, and then you'd be on that week, and then whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So I tried to do the right thing because as I was new to this, has only been doing it for like maybe five months at that point. And I said, "Listen, I have potential throat cancer. I have to go in for surgery. I may not be able to record in two weeks when my next one comes up. I'm going for surgery tomorrow. I just want to give you a heads up because I need to get this taken care of." Mm-hmm. And the guy that ran Beatle Classic said, "Ah, oh, don't worry." You'll have a place here. We love you. Blah, blah, blah. Of course, they give the full-time gig to Eddie. He took it. I lost the job. Never worked in VH1 again. That's my story. But so I uh-huh. also, had I not said anything, I healed up in time. And in I timed it to be the day after the show. Mm. So I had two weeks to heal. I would have been fine. And shows you sometimes in, in, in entertainment, you don't do the right thing. I was trying to be nice and let them know they need coverage for just one time. And they didn't do it for me.
0: Wow. Well, how did you even get that the gig initially, though, to work for VH1? Because that's even to the, you still have that on your resume. I mean, you didn't get the full time right.
1: thing, but um, so I had the show, the radio show, and it's actually it's funny. It had nothing to do with the radio show. I was hmm. um, I had done a couple of the like talking head stupid things, like the top one hundred worst metal videos of all time, or the whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I did a couple of those, but then I was also a DJ at a strip club, and one day this guy comes up to me, he goes, "Why don't you work for me?" And I said, I don't know who the fuck are you? Like, what are you talking <laughs> about? He, he ran VH1 Classic. Oh. And I was like, I don't know, man, because at the time I had long hair. I was a real rock and roll guy. He's like, you should be on, on my network. I'm like, D- dude, I-, I would love to be on your network. And literally, like, two weeks later, I started working there. That's how it happened. I had nothing to do with the radio show whatsoever. Okay. And then... I just you know whatever happened I lost I lost a job it just sucks
0: that sucks well you said you mentioned the uh, strip club DJ thing um, can you tell my audience this story about the 9-11 hijackers that, that is I know it's a rerun for you but like oh, I I found fine. this no, fascinating you
1: know, new people listen to every show it's fine yeah. no problem so I always have and this is a running gag on my podcast is that. There's a lot of weird stories that have happened to me. I'm 51. I've done a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. You just find yourself in odd. Everybody, the older you get, the more stories you're going to have. That's just, it is what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. And so on the Saturday before 9-11, which it was on a Tuesday, so four days prior, um, I DJed for the 9-11 terrorists, the ones that took the boat and the boat, the plane to uh, the Pentagon, not the ones that went to... Uh, the uh, two towers, right? Okay. So first of all, the, cra- the way we knew that that happened was two or three days after, the FBI came, they had the credit cards on file, they had some camera footage, and they were able to verify that 100% it was them, right? And I found an article because my co-host didn't believe me when I told him and even though it's 20 years ago, I was able to find an article that said uh, staff at a Wayne, New Jersey strip club Uh, Interviewed about uh, the the terrorists being there before 9-11. So I could show, oh, look, it did did happen, right? But the crazy two parts of that story, the two little anecdotes was when they were leaving, one of the girls, well, first one of the girls said, what do you do for a living? Mm -hmm. And the guy said he was an airline pilot. And then when he was leaving, which at the time she looked at, what the fuck is this guy talking about? As he was leaving, he said to the girl, stay out of New York next week. Which is... And it, that's like, crazy. What? Like, Yeah. And that man, that's just crazy. That was the story. Just a wild... You know, at the time, it made no sense. And then the FBI came in to question us all. And I remember they brought me into the room. And I'm like, look, I could tell you what song they like. I don't know how that's going to help your investigation. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I know. Yeah, you know, I, I think... speak to them at all.
0: Yeah, the fascinating thing about that to me is that... I feel like isn't that against their religion to go to strip clubs? It was the same with Obama, uh, not Obama, Osama bin Laden. When they caught him, they found porn and stuff. I was like, wait, I thought yeah. this like whole Muslim thing was like you're not supposed to have porn and strip. Like I well, thought that I was can
1: tell you that after doing I don't know 12, 15 years, I don't know how many years I was a strip club DJ. One of the biggest subsets of customers were Hasidic Jews, hmm. the, the most commonly uh, known to get thrown out for being. Uh, inappropriate and doing things offensive, we're Hasidic Jews that are supposed to be 100% abstaining from shit like that. <laughs> so I think in yeah. general, in life, and I, I don't mean to piss off anybody that's listening, I always feel the more vehemently you are against something, like if you're a staunch yeah. anti whatever, there's something in your closet. You know, if you really hate gay people, you're struggling with something inside. That's what I think it is. If you really are against uh, premarital sex, you're seriously desiring it and fighting your own demons and it's surfacing as negativity. And that's how I look at it. I think if you're that against something that is there's nothing really wrong with.
0: You no, definitely. I mean? There's there's definitely a principle there. But um so you talk about the FBI and stuff, but that wasn't your first run-in with the FBI. So tell my audience this story. This is another crazy story. I'm like, this guy does have a lot of crazy stories in, in his closet. Yeah.
1: So um the, the so the crazy tying is this. So I'll tell you this. It started out. When I in, I left elementary school and entered high school, my elementary school was very small. 100 kids in first to eighth grade. Each group was like seven, eight kids, 10 kids in each, in each class. My graduating class was six or seven people, and two of them were my brother and I. I have a twin brother, right? Mm. So they're so small, these classes. Then I go into high school. High school had 4,000 kids. It was a culture shock to me. You know, all of a sudden... Every race, every religion, thousands of people. It was, it was overwhelming. It was, it was great to be in like the real world, but it was overwhelming. And my first niche or the first group of people that I got into, which is hilarious, was the breakdancing crowd, right? And I was in a breakdancing movie. I used to uh, breakdance to make money. It was a crazy, crazy thing, right? That's from ninth grade to like 10th grade. And then at the beginning of 10th grade, I made this bizarre 180 switch into computers for some reason I felt oh this is going to be the future it was 1984 85 at the time mm-hmm. I'm like this is going to mean something I took a typing class where I was the only guy in the typing class at the time it was only secretaries that took typing classes you know and I started to learn basic computers then got a modem which at the time I don't know how well you how well versed you are in tech but my first modem was a 300 baud modem which Nowadays, you're talking in gigabits of download of download speed. One gigabit is a thousand uh, bits, you know. And then, sorry, it's a hundred thousand, then a thousand, and then you go down to each uh, thousand, then three hundred subs of that. It was only text; there was nothing else, and it was mm. slow text on the screen. Sure, crazy slow connection, right? And you're using but, the
0: actual phones that you'd put yeah, the into phone, the yeah and you
1: had to make sure no one was on the phone, and blah blah blah. And we just, my brother and I, got good at doing like rudimentary hacking, like changing grades. Um, See, I didn't even know schools use uh, internet. At the time at they back... just started to. They just oh, okay. started to. You That's
0: know? pretty revolutionary. Um, I thought the internet really didn't hit until the 90s. Well,
1: it wasn't internet. There was no internet. Oh. It was dial-up. So internet, right, okay. The way I describe the, the best analogy, like a, a train station is more like an internet, meaning that okay. you could stay on that train system and keep going from location to location. You're on that system. An internet, you know, a, a connection of Travel ways. Okay. Dial ups were like an Uber where you can only go from one point to the other uh, and you're the only one in that point at the time. Okay. No one else could be on that website. It's called the BBS at the time. No one else could be in that bulletin board but you. When you disconnect, someone else could go in, hmm. just like an Uber where a train has thousands of people, you know? So that's the difference, right? So I would log into a, we- uh, not a website, but a bulletin board and we would do things like change grades or, or, uh, buy something and then resend the money, the bill to someone else. whatever. Just dumb shit. Change my phone bill to $5, whatever. <laughs> um, and then we would do this thing where, keep in mind, this is 1985. It was new technology. Yeah. Conference calling. So I had just yeah. graduated elementary school and I would get these conference calls together of all my old friends from elementary school, like 15 of us on a call where we'd all be talking like a party line, right? But those calls in 1985 would be like $5,000 because that technology was only for corporations. Mm. And then we would just charge it to some random corporation. We were kids doing stupid shit. Oh, you know? my God. And then... it got to be pretty smart was, to figure this shit out, though. How did you just figure it out? It, it, it sounds out? more... It just figure it out. You know, there huh. was, it wasn't like... now. It seems I complicated. It's not that... It, then Now it's complicated because now yeah. there's ways to tra- trace you and track mm. what you're doing. Then it really wasn't. It was... Like the example I give is when Bluetooth first came out, right? I had a stupid app on my phone and it was called like Blue Sniff. And it was a free app I found online. And all it would do is sniff a public place for open Bluetooth channels. Nobody put a password on their Bluetooth (laughs) when it first came out. (laughs) And I could like listen on conversations. I could send them messages. I could do whatever I wanted. It was just so stupid Because it was a new technology. Nobody knew what to do with it. So Mm. that's what was happening back then. Right. Nobody really knew that, oh, we should really put good passwords on here, not like a password like the word password or whatever. It was so easy to get into these systems back then. Right. And uh, then somebody else got caught doing the conference call thing. And they were about to get arrested. And the, the person said, oh, you don't want me. You one could go after this guy because he's the one that got me the information and bought mm. so they abused it we didn't abuse it we'd use it once in a while they went crazy they got busted oh. and then they ratted me out and we were so stupid my brother and i that our cracking name like for stealing um you crack video games and you put them out on the on the bulletin boards it was the sutton brothers we used <laughs> our real names that's how stupid we were you know yeah. like we didn't know it was such a, we were such neophytes to that world we didn't think anything of it at the time but yes i was questioned by the fbi that time my dad had to get us a lawyer we got off because we were 15 and you know we were just idiots so it wasn't like it was too new of a technology we just got did you have to pay back
0: any of the money
1: though or anything or what happened was we were told there was going to be a three hundred thousand dollar fine and a two-year probation but honestly, I don't really know what happened. My father got us a good lawyer. Mm. We went in for a few meetings. And then like six months later, we found out that it was dropped. Okay. That's, all I
0: know. Well, that's that's a know. Wow, crazy. That, you got kind of lucky. I feel like nowadays yeah. they would oh, not yeah. go so easy on oh, people yeah, like for that. for sure.
1: And it's only because it was so new. Just like at the beginning of um, MP3 sharing, everybody would have every oh, song yeah. ever and sharing it. And then one day they decided, okay, now we need to make an example out of somebody. And you just, if you were before that time, you got away with murder. And then after that time, you're like, "Oh shit, we can't do that anymore."
0: Right? Yeah. So then, uh, you know, you did the musics thing, and then uh, you've written for some websites. And I thought I read that you wrote for Metal Edge. What did you I write did for Metal Edge? Which, or did you do interviews, or what'd you do?
1: No, what I did was so when the at one point my radio show got pretty popular, mm-hmm. right after Queer Eye, um, which I was a. Uh, uh, a contestant i guess you'd say subject a guest yeah a guest. you know on queer eye for the straight guy and just did the reunion a few months ago which was nice to have me hmm. on but um they um that the show exploded we got on like we were close to 100 stations i always changed the number a little bit because i didn't know the exact number in radio syndication it would change every week new show station would come on uh, old stations would leave you'd never get an exact number but around 90 95 stage were the most we got to but um at the time, I was friends with some of the people in Metal Edge, and it just became a co-pro, you know, like a, a, a promotion that we collaboratively worked on where I would talk about Metal Edge magazine on my radio show mm. in exchange for writing an article in Metal Edge and mm. plug my radio show. So very often, it would be like talking about events that I hosted, talking about a new album, talking about a guest that came on the show, and it was a monthly article that I would just put out. I think we did about a year of them.
0: Oh, Okay. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, hosting events. What is your strategy when you're hosting those events? Like, do you write jokes and material or interesting facts, or do you just go up there and riff and tell the crowd to get louder? Or what do you do when well, you.
1: I am usually given the worst task in the business. Right? <laughs> okay. Is- you have. there's always going to be like rules and regulations to follow. You know, the guy like the classic oh, uh, shit. Woodstock, like the red acid's been poisoned, whatever that clip is from the original Woodstock, we don't eat the, don't eat the red acid, <laughs> whatever the fuck it was. Right? The guy that has to go up and give the bummer announcements is usually my task. Oh, know, the guy shit. that is going on stage and just making announcements. It's also changed a lot in the past. I've been doing this 20 years, right? Mm. So 20 years ago, every band didn't have an intro tape. You know, Hmm. every band didn't have certain things that they wanted. You just went up and said, all right, ladies, gentlemen, you know, Motley Crue, whatever. And they come out. That doesn't really happen anymore. Now Hmm. they all want their special intro. So you really do like you're talking five minutes before the show, the band comes on. You're not talking as the band's coming out, which is always more exciting, Hmm. but you have to give the shitty announcements. Don't do this. Don't film that, Hmm. that. And you just try to make it entertaining. The story that I tell often was, um, I was hosting Shiprocked one year. I did that for 10 uh-huh. years. And um, the band Hell Yeah was the opening band. And the opening is that it was a standard routine every year. Everybody gets on the boat during the day. They get drunk. And at 5 o'clock, it's hot as shit out. It's leaving from Fort Lauderdale or Miami. And the horn would blow on the uh, ship the boat leaves port, and the band comes out and plays. And it's how it start. does it every year. Everyone goes crazy. And I mean, it was Five Finger Death Punch. Holy shit! Right, right when they were huge, five, six thousand people. And right before that moment, the uh, guys who run Shiprock come up to me and like two or three of the other hosts, because there's always multiple bands. Said, "Look, there's going to be about a forty-five minute to an hour delay. The band is not ready. The music, the sounds, not ready." You have to go up and kill time or else there's going to be a riot because everyone's drunk. Right. I'm like, all right, what are you going to do? Let's do this. And then there were two other hosts. One was from Sirius XM. One was, I forget who, whatever. And they're like, no, I'm going to get killed. That's what one of the girls said. I'm not doing it. Like, well, this is what we're here for. We got to be are. No one's going to remember the band showed up late. They're going to remember that jackass that talked for 40 minutes. Like they think I'm killing time and trying to be fun. Like, why isn't this guy getting off stage? They don't have to know the band's not ready. They just know that I talk too much. I'll take yeah. the heat for that. I don't care. You're you laying know? on the grenade form. Right, exactly. So I went up, and I mean, we were playing If You're Happy and You Know It, Clap Your Hands. We were doing state trivia. I mean, anything and anything I could come up with oh to kill God. 45 minutes of time, and then finally the band went on. You know? Okay. And nobody cared. No, Nobody blamed the band. The band, At the end right. of it. And it just worked out. It was great, but that's the kind of shit I do. You know? Yeah. You have to go up. And it's a different mindset than being like a comedian or even being like a host at a show because you have to get everyone to pay attention to the things that they don't want to pay attention to. And Uh one time like Big J, my co-host on Uh SDR, we were both hosting separate events and he's not good at it and he hates it. Right, (laughs) It's a different thing. So I just left some event and I get a message on my phone, please help. And I go into this studio that he's in, in the the room that he's in, and he's on stage like this looking (laughs) at me there's just people screaming around him. He doesn't know what to do. It's for a beer pong. Mike, mm. just give me the mic. And I like kick this person out, get this. Person out. And a year out, you're done. You're good. And then within two minutes, the game was going, you know, like, hmm. sometimes they just need. And I know it's because I have a big, very booming, authoritative voice. Yeah. People will listen to you and just let's just do this and go, you know, and he hates doing shit like that. A lot of people hate doing shit like that. And I don't mind being the heavy.
0: Okay. It sounds like you're almost like I used to work in education. So it sounds like you're more like
1: a principal or like a teacher. That's how I look at it. Yeah, yeah. we try to be lighthearted and fun, and try to make it not too authoritative, right? And just be fun. You know, are
0: those pretty lucrative gigs? I mean, like you hosted M3 and Shiprocked and Sturgis. I mean, those are pretty big gigs. Yeah. Is that, that a lucrative like thing are, for you?
1: Shiprocked was very financially uh, beneficial. A lot okay. of them you do to promote your show or promote your name. You know, like to me, for years, my philosophy was: as long as I'm not losing money, I'll do it. If they're mm-hmm. going to pay my way, pay my food. Give me just enough money to live every day. I'll do it. I Mm -hmm. don't care. But at this age, that fact that I'm, you know, I'm 51. Yeah. I said to a couple of these things that I used to host for years, like, you know, there's some 25 year old kid that would give his right arm to host this fucking thing. And I'm doing it out of feelings of obligation. Hmm. So maybe look to someone else at this point, because I'm more happy staying home and going to bed early at this point in my life.
0: Right. You're getting kind of tired of hosting the events because it's, it's
1: repetitive. And yeah. And I just also, how much like for me, Like, I'm sure, and I can't say for sure, I hosted Shiprock for 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. Last year was their 11th one. I didn't do it. I took a year off. I'm guessing they're going to ask me to do it again. I could be wrong. I don't know if I want to do it again. I just don't. You know, Mm -hmm. 10 years, there's something to say about that. It was great. I did it. Loved it. Awesome. Can't say anything but nice things about those guys. But at this point, to do a week at sea, I run a network now, I do my shows and mm-hmm. I have other sh- obligations, it would have to be a lot more money for me to make it make sense in my head. Right. And I don't know if that's fair to them. Sure. Either. You know, so I, I, I don't know the right answer.
0: No, I think that's good though. If you, if somebody else, like you said, they really want to do it and they're more driven and more passionate about that. And you're kind of like, I've been there, done that. It right. makes more sense.
1: Yeah, um, I would rather spend a few hours working on my next episode or or prepping for an interview yeah. and we trying to be healthy and you're not healthy on the boat. You're drinking every fucking right. day. You're not sleeping. And I feel like you need a week recovery after a week at sea every time.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah. So since you've done a lot of these uh, music events with, and there's always tons of bands, I see the lineups. Mm-hmm. There's always like the big ones. And there's also the, the younger ones. Um, what newer or younger ba- rock bands have kind of caught your ear? Like who is the next generation of rock bands that you
1: like? So the band I just—it's a one guy, but it's a, I just had him on, and he's really interesting because he's doing a unique thing. Uh, the name of the band is Grandson. They're actually going to be hmm. on Shiprock this year. Okay, and he blends different genres together. It's like hip hop, but it's rock. It's clearly rock. Uh, some of them have like uh, almost like dubstepy elements to it. Okay, um, hmm. and he is doing his own thing. It's a very unique vibe, but it caught my attention. And I was like, oh, this guy's cool. We just had him on SDR. Cool. Um, and I give him credit for, you know, because look, I hate to say this. You're obviously a rock fan, sure. I'm imagining as well. Yeah. The the D Snyders and the Jizzy Pearls of the world, they're never going to be in the front and center again. Rock right. and roll in its pure form had a great run. Mm-hmm. It's basically for 40 years. Rock mattered, you know, Mm -hmm. which is no other style of music can say that except pop music because it's technically popular of the moment. That's a different analysis. But rock and roll, guitars, bass, drums, vocal. Or metal or hard rock. Yeah. yeah. Any one of them. They're never going to be mainstream again. It's never happening. So stop saying this is the band. Oh, Greta Van Fleet's going to bring back rock and roll. Oh, Buck Cherry's going to bring back rock and roll. Silver Tide. It's not happening, right? There'll be bands that'll get more popular but they're not going to be played on the Z100s of the world next to the newest Taylor Swift or Olivia Rodrigo song. It's not happening, right? So what I like to find are bands that have figured out a way to make rock elements in like Falling in Reverse, another great example of a hmm. band that figured out a way to modernize their sound with some rap elements and some like techno or dancey elements. And even medals in there, but become very popular. And grandson's done that well. They do a very good job. Of okay. Song on the they have a song on the Suicide uh, Squad soundtrack as well. But the song oh. that got me into them was "Bury Me Face Down." It's a great fucking
0: song. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I mean I've I've had some of the younger bands on too, but I, I agree. I see what you're saying. Like, cause I I don't say that Rock is dead, but it's just it's not going to be, like you said, right. mainstream. I I think that's a fair thing to say. Cause yeah, I think Greta Van Fleet can get big, but yeah, I don't know that they're ever gonna sell out arenas. I don't know that right. Rock will ever I mean, but then again, I see I I see so many of these kids when I used to work in education wearing Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and all these rock band t-shirts.
1: But those are touring for different reasons. They are heritage bands touring on nostalgia. None of them are touring for relevancy. That's not happening. It's interesting. It's not, you know, you go to, just to bring her up in here, she's so popular right now, Olivia Rodrigo. She's the pop star of the year, right? Right. Several huge hits. She is an of-the-moment star. She's the Lady Gaga of 2021, where mm-hmm. everybody is on every radio station. SNL did a uh, a bit on her. Like She's that popular. When you go to see a Motley Crue show or, or a Guns N' Roses show, you're going for the nostalgia. You're not going for the new music. Mm. For Olivia Rodrigo, all of her songs are new music. Right. You're going for the new music. Right? That's the new so,
0: hot thing, yeah.
1: Right. If you go to a Guns N' Roses song and they don't play Paradise City, you're going to be fucking pissed. Right? And that song is 30 years old. So... It's a different uh, mentality. It's actually more than 30 years old at this point. But that that's why I am saying, but what I think it's cool about rock is that it is very uh, analogous of what it was when I was younger, which is when I was 86, 85, you know, in that era, I was 14, 15. You look and you see the girl at on high school next to you was was drawing a Motley Crue logo on their shirt, on their uh, loose leaf book or their whatever. And you're like, oh, she came into wearing a guns and roses t shirt. You're like, oh shit. She also likes rock because it wasn't super mainstream. Hmm. It was on the come up in the, in the mid-80s. Yeah. You know, and it, you found people that were as passionate about that music as you. Then for 20 years, it was mainstream and everybody liked it. And it was just a matter of understanding, oh yeah, everybody likes Guns N' Roses. Everybody likes Poison or whatever. Now it's back to you have to seek it out. And in mm-hmm. a way, those fans are more pure because they're going out to look for it True. as opposed to it just being on television
0: hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um. And yeah, you've had so many good interviews on your, your podcast. Um. I haven't watched them all. But it's funny, because when I first started doing my research for, for you, I was like, I, I, I realized I, I had seen the first thing I'd ever seen that you did was the Sebastian Bach where you made him angry. I was like, yes. Oh, that's this guy. I was like, Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, geez, this is him. And yeah. so that was, have you made a lot of other Rockstar's anger? Is that
1: one of the few? No. So actually I've been, I don't want to say it was I, I never use the word friends with rock stars, but I've been casual acquaintances with Sebastian for 30 years. Okay. Right? He did my uh the tour bus back in night maybe 2000. So what is so that? Not 30 years, so that's 21 years ago, right? Yeah. So he did it 21 years ago, and we became friendly and he did the show a bunch of times over the years where we, we're still, I think, Facebook friends with his real account. I, you know, his actual uh real last name account. And he didn't unfriend I, you after that. Huh? He, he, didn't, didn't, unfriend unfriend, me. Okay. No, he didn't unfriend me. Okay. So maybe he forgive so, you. He may, but my feeling was I knew him well enough where I told my producer, Oh, this is not going to make a full hour. There's no way he's going to get pissed about something hmm. and it won't last long. Cause he, I look, I give him credit. He still, I think he still sounds incredible and he still is who he is and who he was from the early days of Skid Row, he very much is a shoot from the hip, in the moment kind of guy. That's who he is, right? And what we were going to do, initially the plan, the other guys from Skid Row had come in the studio a couple of months prior, back before COVID, and me and Jay tried to sing I Remember You with them. And we, I can't sing, as I already <laughs> established. Neither Jay. but it was funny. It was terrible, but it was funny. And we were going to show it to him. And I knew that moment he would bail. He would not find the, f- the humor in it, and he would bail. But I figured that would happen about 40 minutes in. I didn't know the joke that Jay made nine minutes in would <laughs> piss him off enough to just disconnect. Right. right. And that's another thing. Like, when you say something that pisses you off, if he would have said, all right, look, not funny, let's just move on, it would not have been a story. Uh-huh. But because he disconnected, it, beca- it became a story. You know. And then, thankfully, because I know... Rob Halford, who the joke was about, technically, right. we got him on the following week and told him the joke, and he thought it was fucking funny. Yeah. So I felt like I was going to even send that to to Sebastian to show him that he overreacted. Like he, it's not going to change his mind, you know. So right. I didn't bother. But uh, I felt we were very vindicated when Halford not only came on and laughed, but now wanted us to put together a um a roast for Rob Halford. I've been talking back and forth. Yeah, I heard about his, that. Yeah, but it's just uh, you know, with COVID, we didn't plan. Maybe next year, okay. Once the world is actually open again, we were starting to plan it, and then Delta comes out. I right, forget it. We're gonna wait till the world is reopened, and maybe we'll do it next year or the year after. Okay,
0: I did. I hear you say, are you a big Queensrÿch fan?
1: Love Queensrÿch. Yeah, did you ever interview Jeff Tate? Many, many times. Yeah. And how
0: did you uh, get I'm along with him? Because I had him on, and he just seemed a little uh, cold to me, or or just a little distant. I don't know what the what the he wasn't like nasty to me but it just seemed like he was kind of like annoyed like he didn't really
1: want to be there well that might happen sometimes you might have just catch somebody at a bad time you know i've had great rapport with all of the guys in queens over the years and uh they all have good days and bad days but i mean i love that band i've had great interviews with jeff i'm, I'm friends with him and his wife i think they're both hmm. great and i'm friends with scott and and uh you know i just think that even though he's not in the band anymore i love scott he's great i think they're all great guys. Eddie, all of them, all good guys, right? Um, but I think sometimes you just catch someone on a bad day, you know. Oh, so you've
0: never to... had that kind of interaction with him then, huh?
1: With him, no, okay. never, never with him. No, in fact, I, I would say he got along very well with him over the years. In fact, at M three one year, we you know we hung out for a lot, like most of the entire M three was him and I hanging out together. Like he just, it well, must be me dead. then. I must have. <laughs> no, I, again, I think maybe you just caught him on a bad day. Yeah.
0: Know? No, like the, the, those are like my two, I had two, I think, I don't know, I've done 168 or something interviews. I think I've only had two that were were kind of bad. That one and then the uh, Art from Everclear. Have you ever had any interactions
1: with yeah, him? Yeah, we had, we, we had a good interview with him, but it was oh. uh, short. And it okay. Was, uh, it was Everclear and Fuel were on tour together. Mm. And we went to the venue, Big Jay and I, and we did like 30 minutes with each of them and then aired it. Like, as a, as a, like an on tour special, the two of them, you know, because were, it was a, early on in the tour. And it was fine. I wouldn't say it was great, but it wasn't like awkward. It was fine. He was, okay. uh, you know, I would say, like, like I just interviewed Caratop Top uh, two days ago, right? Oh, nice. And that's a big one. It was one. good. It was good. I would say it was good. I didn't feel like, oh my God, that was great. Sometimes you just will connect with someone for whatever reason. You're pacing or they're both, you're both in a good mood. Who the fuck knows? Like, we had Our Lady Peace on, Rain, the singer of Our Lady Peace. And it was just such a fluid, great interview. And I don't know why. Hmm. And then two days later, countertop, it was just like, it was good. Like, I don't tell you, super nice guy, and it was fine. But sometimes things just go better and go worse. I don't know. Who the fuck knows, why. <laughs> you know, you and I are similar. We're not... I don't think you're a comic, right? Mm-mm. You're not a comic, right? And no, I'm not very funny. Shit. Yeah, neither am I. And we just do... A shit ton of research and try to be entertaining. That's right. what you try and do. Exactly.
0: You know? Try to bring up the interesting stuff. What are some of the best interviews that do stand out for you that besides uh, this R Lady Peace one? Um,
1: I bring up the same two a lot, and it's because and it's funny, it's for different reasons, but um because of such a, uh, respect for the two of them, and I couldn't believe I got to speak with them for an hour. And it's uh, I always bring the two up. It is Mark Cuban. Oh, I was gonna ask and, you about that one, yeah. And Neil deGrasse Tyson. Those yeah. two I was gonna ask you about both these. <clears throat> what did you say? I was going to ask you about both these anyways. That's perfect. Oh, yeah. So to me, like, look, I've gotten lucky. I got to interview every, really, somebody in every band, pretty much. If you go to the 80s rock, somebody in every band that I've ever wanted to have on the band. So, like, I interviewed someone from Metallica. I would have loved to speak spoken to someone other than Jason, but I was happy to have Jason. You know, yeah. not not other than, but also, you know, mm-hmm. not just Jason. Right. Right. get James or get Lars. That would have been great. I got you. I interviewed half or more than half of Guns N' Roses never got Axel, but I got Slash, I got Duff, I got, you know what I mean? So at that point, you can't, I would love to have spoke to Axel, never got to. So that, those kind of But things, you're but not right. done either. So it's still right. a possibility True. you could get these guys, habit. right? Right, right, of course. But I'm saying, so I, with the rock world, there's there's only like specific people in a band that I would still love to have on. Mm-hmm. But almost every band I've ever wanted, almost, I got on the show you know, so that feels great. So I'm like, you can't, I'll never interview uh stone temple pilot singer. Cause he's not around anymore. That sure that didn't happen, you know, but, um, or Allison Chains. I did have a couple other guys. I had the, the current singer from Allison Chains on, mm. which was great. Um, But Mark Cuban, just a huge fan, you know, fucking love the guy, big fan of shark tank, knew of him ancillarily prior to shark tank. And then it was just a very cool thing. Like the day before we just get an email, Mark wants to do the show tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. I was like, well, fuck yeah, let's do it, right? And he's in town, and let's make it happen. I just did a shit ton of research for a few hours, went in, and then I found out last minute my co-host couldn't do it. Like, right, sure. It's just me and Mark. Let's just go do it. And you pitched and your was-
0: show. You pitched your show. Like an yeah. evalu- you asked him my for network, an evaluation. Yeah. That was pretty yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah.
1: And it's great because him and we had Damon John on, they both gave my network the same valuation. So it makes it very easy when you go to an Investor and say, well, where'd you come up with this? I'm like, well, it can't get better than this. Here's Damon, John, and Mark Cuban giving us that exact valuation. That's where we got it from. You
0: know, that's that, pretty. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Was that? And I didn't watch the full interview. I just saw a clip on YouTube. Is it? Is it on Spotify?
1: Or well, uh, what happens? The the business model for my network is after it's 20 episodes old, uh, it goes behind a paywall on Gas Digital Network. So the newest 20 episodes oh, are always free. Okay. And then if you want to hear commercial free or watch the video in HD or the whole archives you have to pay at gas digital network uh, for the, for the older shows. Okay. Uh, And that's just the way the whole net there's 22 uh, shows on my network and every one of them work along that paradigm. So after 20 episodes, they go behind a paywall.
0: I love Um, like what you're doing. You're kind of doing this old school Howard Stern stuff from the nineties. Like, where the, you have all these like crazy things that you guys are doing. Like you had run DMC judge a rap contest, but then even crazier, th- this is the one that I thought was really interesting where you do a different drug once a year, you try a new drug. Like yeah, it's like our, older guys like us, that's that. dangerous. Isn't it? You're doing yeah. edibles and mushrooms for the first time.
1: Yeah. The first time ever alive on air. Um, it was, uh, edibles first. I blacked out mushrooms. Jesus. I was, I was drooling. Um, <laughs> the third <laughs> one was, uh, uh, ecstasy it was, supposed to be, was, was supposed to be molly that okay molly, but it, it ended up being crystal meth and i like <gasps> for three days it was horrible. oh my god that's scary uh, and then we did actually we bought a drug kit and got actual molly and then right before the pandemic i did cocaine off of a porn star's butt it's <laughs> funny to say that that's the only time <laughs> i did coke you know? jesus and I've hated all of them. I've never done any of them again, you know? Was it um, scary,
0: like, doing cocaine? See, that always scared me, because I, I, I would think it would, like, you know, make your heart race and stuff, and it's, yeah. like,
1: dangerous. So my thought, in all honesty, I was friendly with, um, not to keep name-dropping, so I apologize, but... No, I love I it. I love the name-dropping. <laughs> Kevin Dubrow from Quiet Riot, yeah. I was friendly with. Okay. Right? And literally spoke to him maybe two, three days before he passed, right? And he, and he died from a cocaine overdose, yeah. and he was in his 50s, right? So I'm 50 doing cocaine for the first time Ugh. and my psychopathic brain said, well, if I die from this, at least I know this episode is going to be really popular. <laughs> so it, it brought me some comfort in that. Plus I did one line, you know? Okay. Yeah. So I mean, the, and I'm in relatively decent shape, although Kevin was in great shape, but um, in relatively decent shape. So I figured from one line and we had it like cleaned it's like good quality coke that was cleaned meaning they got any any impurities were taken out it was very pure coke so i figured worst case maybe i'm gonna just feel like shit and that's what happened i felt i just felt
0: did you felt like nervous and on edge and stuff or
1: you know it just it made my teeth really dry and i kept like going like this a lot like my my mouth up i talked even more than i normally do and i just wasn't happy and i drank a lot of alcohol to try and bring me down and then I just woke up the next day, just feeling awful. awful. That's
0: yeah. See, it's interesting how certain drugs affect certain people. Some people like they try a drug one time and they're like in love with it, you know. And it's like they're they're addicted immediately, almost like they, it's just like the where have you been all my life kind of thing. But it sounds like you're not having those experiences,
1: which is good. Yeah, well, also, I don't think I have a, a addictive personality. Plus, what a lot of fans have said is you're trying th- these drugs in the worst possible scenario. <laughs> On air cameras, yeah. people were trying to, you know, go with a girl you love and go try mushrooms in the in the forest, and you're gonna love it, you know. Okay, but I'm I'm doing them all in the wrong area. <laughs> that's all right. I don't want to love it, so it works out fine for me, yeah. You know, Um, and then when we had uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson on, my first question to him was, I know everything about you. I gave him a whole credit list. Of, uh, why the fuck would you come on a show called Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll? <laughs> right? Yeah, why would he? He said a great answer, which was. When I go on science shows, I know everybody's on board already. Mm -hmm. But if I come on a show like this, maybe I'm going to change a few minds. Mm. And that's why I want to do shows like this. I'm like, well, that's a great answer. Question number two, what kind of stupid middle name is de Grasse? And he had a good answer for that, too. What do you say about that? You know, it it ties back to some sort of military thing where a, a general de Grasse who worked for the French helped the united states during our independence from from britain okay and then he got arrested and was brought into somewhere in the caribbean and a lot of people took his name for honoring what he did for america and his grandfather gave him that middle name.
0: Okay. That's awesome. So yeah, I, I'm trying to branch out as well. I mean, I've had a lot of the musicians, but I'm trying to get you know, I had yesterday I had a paranormal investigator on. So I, I like you had doing a
1: social and instant like a YouTube guy you had on recently. Yeah, let
0: yeah. Let social play. marketing guy. Just so I like learning about tons of different things. Do you feel the same way too? Also as you the older you get, you've you've interviewed these musicians so many times. It's fun to like try to interview someone else and try to
1: branch out and learn about something else. True. What the funny thing is this is that I feel, and I'm sure you feel the same way, if you're only defined by one thing, you're a fucking boring dude. So it's okay mm-hmm. to love food, love science, love music, love this. You should have various aspects to your personality. Mm-hmm. And that's very much me. I've always been a fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson for 30 years. Yeah. So, or 20 years. So like, whenever whenever uh, Pluto got delisted and no longer a planet is when I found out about him, and I've been following him ever since. I don't know how many years ago that is. But what happens, which is unfortunate for us, is when we bring on these other people, the show doesn't do as well. I thought the Mark Cuban yeah. episode would be the most listened episode ever. It didn't do that well. Right. You know, same thing with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Then last week on the show, we do one of our stupid little games. We did the butthole beauty battle, <laughs> where three porn stars come in and we judge how pretty their butts were. And I got woke up to like five thousand notifications. Like how great they! Mo- everyone loved that show. Yeah. This is what SDR is all about. Blah blah blah. I was like you guys like fucking expand your horizons a little bit. Like we're doing some great interviews here.
0: Yeah. Well, no, that's like when I had the social media guy on, we talked about that. It's like, you know, it's branding and like your niche and like people, you know, you should be known for a niche. And I was like, well, yeah, but like, if you look at rock music guys, right. uh, You know, it's like the, the ceiling is like probably Eddie trunk, right? He's the number one, podcast for rock music he's got like i don't know three hundred thousand followers but then you look at the mm-hmm. ceiling for just if you have a variety like you know like what you and i want to do that's like joe rogan i mean he's got millions yeah. so but right i guess he's I joe rogan so
1: yeah i just i i also it's not even about that like i if you can offer me to switch places with eddie trunk and be known as the rock guy and just that mm-hmm. the, my, my co-host on not my co-host but my business partner for the network is a comic and he's way more famous than me, far more followers, blah, blah, blah. But I wouldn't want to be known as he is known. I wouldn't want to be known as Eddie Trunk is known. I want to be known for who I am as a person. Uh-huh. And if that means I only have 13,000 or 14,000 Instagram followers versus his 300,000, I'm fine with it. You know, it doesn't bother me. I, I would rather be comfortable with who I am and not just be known as the rock guy. I, I wouldn't want to do it. And I've always felt that way. I didn't want to sell out and be just, you know, like I, I know that, um, I could have stuck to my guns a lot with our show and only play hair metal and nothing else. But mm-hmm. I like other aspects of rock. Yeah, or, you know, I want to be known for playing other. Int- maybe I introduced a few people to bands they never heard of. You know, so that's what I wanted to do back then. And same thing with uh, with what we do now. I bring on people sometimes that I just think are going to have a good story, and mm-hmm. it may not be the most listened to episode. Yeah. I'm bringing on a rapper next week. I don't know shit about him, buddy. I saw a couple of his songs. I like him. He seemed like an interesting dude. I'm like, our fans are probably not going to love it, but I think he's going to have an interesting story. So let's fucking bring him on.
0: Yeah, no, and I don't even think like when you say Eddie Trunk's selling out, like I think I don't think Eddie that's, Trunk no, is no, selling I out. Think
1: Eddie Trunk is selling. Yeah, because I think is,
0: is I think for him like he that is him. Like he he really does only love rock. But I'm like, see, I think I mean. I'm more like you. I, I like a variety. I like other kinds of music. I like movies you know, and that's TV. What I mean, I, I yeah, I don't want
1: to be just that. Right. What I mean, exactly. I no, switch, I would feel like I'm selling out if I did exactly.
0: That. I no, I agree. That's, that's the same thing. You know, what's interesting, too, is I find that sometimes, like your most popular episodes, it has to do with if the guest shares it. Like, if Mark Cuban had shared that interview yes. on his social oh, media, God. that would yeah. have been a lot different.
1: Yeah. I always assume they're not going to share it right. because the, they can't share every interview they do. Sure. You know? I was happy Buck Cherry shared the interview we just had on. I didn't think oh. they would do that. Wow. Not only Buck Cherry and Josh Todd both shared it separately. I'm like, well, that's wow. fucking cool. That's you know, really so cool. That a, And so when I see that, I'm like, wow, that's nice. You know, like, just like back in the day, the only thing that mattered to me in the radio show is when the band would thank me on stage. Like, I just would love them to say thanks to the tour bus. Not me, per the name of my show the tour bus. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was like the end all be all for me. They they mentioned my show. It just was like a way of like, I was like, all right, good. We mattered to them, you know? And so that's when I look at when somebody does reshare my interviews, like, oh, shit. So that kind of mattered to them. But the difference is these days, we're all doing so much shit. You can't share everything there. The Buck Cherry newsfeed would be a barrage of interviews. <laughs> and that's it. That's and true. Yeah. Don't fucking follow this anymore. So they have to be selective. I get it. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah.
0: I think one of my most popular episodes, at least on YouTube, was uh, Rachel Bolin from Skid Row. He, and he shared mm-hmm. it. And that's why it's so popular. And it's like, yeah. wow. And I, I he doesn't share every episode. But I, I'm such a diehard Skid Row fan. He must have picked up on that
1: yeah they're all good guys rachel's a great guy they're david's a great guy they're just those are solid guys you know sabo was playing guitar while we were butchering i remember you and i mean just the (laughs) fact that he would do that yeah it just made me laugh so like this guy made his millions from this song and we're destroying it (laughs) and he's he's like oh that was almost good like he was he was really having fun with it which really makes me happy you know yeah
0: i think it's funny that um I was trying to figure out, it's because like on your Instagram, you have your, um, the SDR podcast page, but it's like blanked out. And I was like, wait, did their pan- their page get banned? And then I yeah. learned the page was banned, but it's banned for the dumbest reason because Phil uh, Phil from
1: Def Leopard showed his abs. Yeah, What? Yeah. I, how, I guess what? my publicist told you that. I don't know how else you fucking knew that. I heard you talking
0: about an interview. Uh, I I we about, yeah. yeah,
1: we got banned because Phil from Def Leopard showed his abs. Somebody marked it as offensive. We had been to... Uh, reported before and you get three strikes and that was our third strike. So can that, people report the, anything though? I, so I don't know enough about it to be honest with you, <laughs> you know, mm. um, that's weird. Yeah. Do you think, can just, you no. get it back at some point though, or you on,
0: on probation or is it just gone forever?
1: Uh, we're fighting it right now.
0: Cause that's scary. If you, I mean, if you build something up over years and you have thousands of followers and then they could just take it away in a second.
1: Yeah, I mean, they they didn't even, from my knowledge, because I have someone um, that runs it, they said, we didn't even get a warning, we didn't get a notification, we just woke up and it was gone. And we've been fighting it, but, and this guy works with a lot of shows, he said, it could take up to a year to get an answer. Jesus. There's so so many, um, uh, (laughs) there's so many Instagram handles, how many people can they look at it a day? But we're fighting it. And I know somebody that knows somebody at Instagram, Hmm. So I'm trying to get through that through that way, but it's been hard to get in touch with that dude. So I'm hoping that he can maybe at least put in a good word for us. That seems you
0: know? so fucked up. Like, so what are your thoughts on cancel culture? Because I just saw this today. Um, we were joking. Uh, we just had our fantasy football draft, and my my friend is a uh, Washington football team fan, and he's got the jersey, and he's got black tape over where it says Redskins. And I was, and then so I was like, yeah, it seems like they're canceling everything. I was like, I hope they don't cancel the Notre Dame fighting Irish mascot. I'm Irish and I love that mascot. And I just right. saw today that there's a survey done that they find the leprechaun offensive. It's the fourth most offensive mascot. And What's so
1: number one, now that the Redskins are gone,
0: uh, it's it's all the other native American ones. I think oh, I thought yeah. the
1: Indians are gone too. Aren't they gone? to the Yeah. Cuban but Indians there's gone?
0: like, I think the Florida state Seminoles and there's somebody's Aztec warriors. I don't even know what, oh, okay, if it's a okay. school or what.
1: So here's my brilliant idea. You're okay. Ready? It's very simple. Okay. On on all social media platforms, in your settings, you have a test a a tick mark that says, "I don't mind offensive content. I mind offensive content." You turn it on, you turn it off. As a poster, you have to tag it as potentially offensive or not offensive. Okay. And if it's Hmm. then it filters out accordingly. There should still be some guidelines: no murder, no whatever. You know, certain guidelines on either side. But I think that would filter out. 90% 90% of the problems. Hmm. If you don't want to see it, you just turn that on. You don't see it. It would make everyone's lives a lot easier. To me, if it's it's a weird thing, I've had this argument a lot because I think if it's done in the pr- purpose of comedy, anything should be allowed. I really believe that. But mm-hmm. then it becomes weird because what defines comedy? You know, then I think it's all, some people say, well, if you're a comedian, you know, it's a joke. But what defines a comedian these days? It's not, is it saying just stand up comedians? Now you're getting into weird category are they better Mm -hmm. than everybody else like it starts becoming a slipperier and slipperier slope so very often you say well what about context But context could be done looked at very differently from different eyes there is no easy answer to it Mm -hmm. but i think saying i don't want to see it anything potentially offensive and then you could say i find this subject matter offensive and then that whatever that is you're not going to see that type of thing again Mm -hmm. and it just that's the way to handle it Instead of trying to get rid of everybody. Yeah, I can't believe can't
0: they would it. cancel your whole page.
1: Right. They can't That's find crazy. a Jeopardy host because you go back in anyone's life. There's gonna be one tweet that somebody finds offensive. Right. But I, I also think it's like, what's your intent? Like if
0: you maybe you said something you were mad at at the moment. Do you really yeah. hate this group or you know, do you like you made a joke, but do you really deep down hate those people? I mean, I don't know. That's just my theory behind the whole there, thing.
1: There's a um a politician, and I forget his name right now, and I'm sorry, that I forget his name. But he was a card-carrying member of the KKK. He was a very racist person. Sure, right? B- Bird. I think the name was yeah, Bird. Robert Bird or Robert Bird. Right, sort of yeah. But then the guy that died, he had and then had he a spiritual spiritual awakening, yeah. mm-hmm. realized he was wrong, and for 20 years, all he did was try to advance equal rights. And at his funeral, Obama spoke, Oprah spoke, the NAACP honored him. Right. If he got canceled 20 years prior, none of that good would have happened. That's a good point. That's a real, yeah. Why can't people change or grow? I mean, I know I'm a totally different person than I was 20 years ago, even five years ago. Right. So I think that you need to look at the body of work, not just the person. And especially deep diving to a decade ago and saying, well, that offends me. The, the, the argument I say is if you don't think 20 years from now, people are going to say, he ate an animal? Are you kidding me? We don't eat animals anymore. We all have synthetic meat. He have a picture of him carving a turkey. Oh, my God. We have to cancel him. It's going to happen. Something like that. Something like that, that the, for sure. Or that exact thing. Yeah. That they can't believe. Oh, my God. He used to eat raw. What? Like, what? We don't do that anymore. And then people are going to cancel that. But, like, people want to blame uh, Christopher Columbus. It's now um, uh, Indigenous People's Day, right? Mm-hmm. So they can't call it Columbus Day anymore. What he did, it's not like they were like, oh my God, this guy Columbus, he went batshit crazy. He just started killing people. He was there for a mission. That's what he was supposed to do. It was, it was welcomed that they, they all did that. Cortez did it. Burn the fucking chips. We're not coming back. We're killing everybody, right? So those people weren't lunatics. They were just doing what everybody else was doing. Mm-hmm. Now they're looked at as a lunatic, but at the time it was endorsed. So right. I think like it, you can't hold people up from decades ago to the standards of today cuz they're always going to change.
0: Right, well I think we should learn from the history for yeah, sure, but we can't person. erase it.
1: Right. I just I, yeah. I don't I don't get it. Like I look at things that I did when I was a kid, I would never do them now and I think most of us feel that way. You know, about everything in life. So you're allowed to evolve and be a better person and then be honored or not honored or accepted for the new you or who you are now
0: yeah well and i think you know it's all the crazy shit that you guys do on your show i thought this was a cool story too that you guys once had this girl in and she was like going to be a porn star or something and then um i guess the episode made it to her little brother's high school and he found out and he threatened suicide so you said hey no problem we're gonna take this down like that shows to me like
1: you're a good guy like whether you of can course, i would never i felt horrible and also yeah. i said look we can take it down but understand that people can download it and they have it. Right. I can't do that, but I can do what but I can But you're doing do. your best, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't exist on my site anywhere. Yeah. You know, there's so because when you, I can
0: do. Yeah, when you make an episode like that, you're making it for fun. You guys are trying to have a good time. You don't want bad outcomes. So, I mean, right. again, that goes back to the intent of people. And I think most people that I talk to, you know, nobody's perfect, but most people are, are deep down good people, want to help people, want to – do good for most the world people. I think and I
1: think that's why like libertarianism doesn't work because I don't think all people inherently care about the greater good or, or are generally good people in a society where most people don't return their shopping carts <laughs> You know, we can't expect people yeah. to always do the right thing. Well, some so, people need a little push or a
0: little right. nudge of some sort that's or some, some help in the right direction.
1: direction. Yeah, some little guidelines say this is what you got to do. You got to have some, yeah,
0: you got to have something. You can't just have a yeah. free, you can't have anarchy for sure.
1: Right. That's, what I, that's how I feel. That Not everybody needs a little nudge for, yeah. for certain reasons. We'd all be running lights if we knew that it was completely nobody cared. You know, the idea of a ticket is enough that you stop. It's called like, what is it? Kant's uh, categorical imperative is the, is the term where we all follow certain guidelines. Like you don't see a cop, but just the concept of it is enough to stay at the red light. You know, that's why you don't go forward. Mm-hmm. So that's how society functions is because of these universal truths that we all just accept.
0: Absolutely. Very cool. Well, I um, mean, you have another podcast. Oh, you know what else I was going to ask you about before we get to your other podcast? Um, who made the trailer? For the for the SCR podcast
1: because that is a great the reel that you guys put together yeah, yeah, it's a great reel yeah one of my one of the guys on my team just I you know we, I just had him do it it's a great uh, I've said we need something to capture what this show is about uh, in under a minute and he worked on it for a while we tweaked it back and forth and I was like man this is it let's not change a thing the only thing I added was if you watch it at the end Ronnie Radke from uh, uh, falling in reverse says you did cocaine on the show. What? <laughs> and that was the end of the the end of the trailer. It comes back after the credit. It comes back like a last minute thing. It's funny.
0: Yeah, you but have then, so because you guys have like a pretty big production team. It's not just like because yeah. most of these podcasts, a lot of like mine, is just it's just me and like so my girlfriend helps me out a little bit. But you guys have like a full team that's helping you out, right?
1: Well, the network has grown. You know, yeah, I started that's cool. the network with four shows and one producer, and now we have you know include twenty two shows, sixteen producers. An ad sales team, uh, a merchandising team. You know, we'll, we're doing four million listeners a week on the network, or something like wow. that, across the network. I don't know exact numbers, but a couple of million for sure each week. Uh, we sell ads for dozens of shows that are not even on the network. You know, we we sell ads for Barbara Corcoran. We sold ads for Mike Tyson. Like, we we have a whole ad sales team that's a separate company. We do thousands of dollars a month in rentals uh, for the studios. The the Sopranos guys were renting our studio for up until like maybe two months ago, they do a talking Sopranos podcast, Michael Imperioli and Steve Sherpa. And they were using our studios in, cause so we have two studios in our location, uh, there. I do this at home. I have the small studio here. Hmm. Um, but, um, we have two big studios at the, at the, uh, at guest digital Studios,
0: yeah that's really cool and then you have so you're this other interest uh that you have is kind of health and wellness and you have the good sugar podcast and then this book which i i was gonna order but then it said it wouldn't come for like a week but i was reading the reviews and i, and I was also kind of hesitant because i was like wait is this a real book because it says it is not okay th- is this just one of those things where it's like a funny title and then it's just like you open well, it up i'll and, show it to you
1: right here i'll okay. hold it up for your video yeah so that's it's what it's the- 100% guaranteed guide to weight loss and fitness. And I stand by this. I will give you your money back. <laughs> if you follow my my goals, you follow my book and you don't do it, yeah. it doesn't work for you. I'll give you your money back. It's only two pages. Chapter one is eat less. Yes. Chapter two is work out more. And then the rest of the book is blank.
0: Okay. So that's what I thought. I was like, I think it's one of those joke book things. Where I was like, I don't know. Cause yeah. I was reading the reviews and I was like, what seriously is this a joke? But then other people were like, they were in on the joke and they were writing reviews for you. They were like, "This is great stuff. This was so funny. I love the way it was written." And I was like, "Okay, wait, I'm suspicious of this." Yeah, so
1: it sold well that we got to number seventy seven on Amazon, which is great, you know. But um, damn, that's amazing. I really pushed it last year right before Christmas. It was a great stocking stuffer. Yes, good for gift. Right? good joke gift. And um, what happened was on the Good Sugar podcast, we bring in all these different health and wellness experts, and one day I just started laughing at myself, like, "You boil it down." And really, they're all just saying eat less and work out more. That's really, there might be different ways. Eat this at this time. Do this then. Work out then. Tr- shock your body. Trick you, whatever. Eat less and work out more. You're going to get into good shape. That's it. You're eating a 15-ounce steak every day. Eat a 10-ounce steak every day. You're going to notice a difference. That's just what's going to happen. You're doing no push-ups. Do one push-up. <laughs> and every day, you, soon you're going to start feeling a difference. And that's mm-hmm. the philosophy that I go on. My father passed away about five years ago. And I gained I don't know, like 60 pounds, 70 pounds. I got really fat, right? Mm. And there's the videos of me on, on YouTube when I started being, oh my God, the barrage of you fat fuck emails that I was getting. Like, people love to make fun of you when you're, you know, they love to kick you when you're down. Jesus. And, um That's sad. That's ah, fine. You know, whatever. It's part of our <sighs> fandom. It's totally fine. But uh, during the pandemic, I was like, okay, I have time. Let's start changing. So I started running and I started, my, we started the podcast about a year and year and changing right before the pandemic. And I used it all to lose. I think I lost 55 pounds already. And i Nice. Now, I, I had never run a mile in my... If you add it up, every time I ran in my life, it was less than a mile together. Maybe a mile and a half. And now I'm running 22 miles a week. Every week. Oh, wow, you know, that's a lot. I've, I've run two half marathons already. And I'm going to do another one in uh, February and another one in, in April. I run uh, a four, a seven, and a ten every week. And then like a little bit more, a little less here and there. So it comes out to 21, wow. 22 miles a week. I have a Peloton right here off camera. I use that every day. I do yoga every day. I'm working out with a trainer every day, well, three days a week on, on all those. So I've changed my life and I've gotten feeling much better. have much more energy and it really comes down to eat less and work out more.
0: Oh, that's great. That's really inspiring though. Do you ever like uh, follow David Goggins? Have you ever seen any of his videos and stuff? no oh god you should check him out he's like he's he's so intense man he's all about like you know he lost he was at 300 pounds almost he lost a bunch of weight he's a navy seal he's been on rogan a bunch so you should try is to get him on guy? your podcast yeah is he a black guy yeah, yeah i
1: have seen him yeah he's cool yeah he's, he's crazy cool.
0: he's been really motivated i was like i need to start working out more like i don't think i could go to that level because he's insane
1: but well that's I think, the problem i think everybody makes is they look at these people and think oh my god how the f- i can't do that but that's why I say. I started doing this this app called Couch to a 5K, which is a simple, you're on a couch, let's get you to running 5K, which is about three miles, right? And it takes nine weeks, huh. and you just listen in your headphones, and you start out with 20-second intervals of running for like 10 minutes. Huh. And then it just slowly builds and slowly builds. And I am a huge advocate of starting very, very small, micro changes baby steps that that's what's going to make a difference if you stay today that's it i'm only eating salad nothing else i'm going to do 100 push-ups a day that's it you'll yeah. be done in a week and you'll be miserable and you'll never go back so just do a little bit at a time that's i that think matters. that yeah that
0: actually works for that's a good uh advice for success in any field and doing anything
1: yeah you look at our these podcasts that you and i do right and people say I need to get the artwork. I need to f- get on every channel. I need to bring in video and do YouTube. I need a theme song. I need that. And you start. Dude, should I have a Patreon? Blah, blah, blah. Start a fucking podcast. Just do one. Right. You don't need it. Download Anchor. You can do it with your phone. Your phone. Yeah. yeah. Do it on your phone with Anchor for free. Do five of them and see if you still want to do it before you spend five hundred dollars on a mic. You're like, just calm down. Exactly. No, I agree. Um, well, so is there anything
0: else that's left? for you to do. I mean, I know you want to uh, interview Axel and uh, I think you had some other ones, James Hetfield, David Lee Roth, Charlie Sheen. Is yeah. there other people you want to interview or other things you want to accomplish?
1: I would. So my show, which I twice hit number one in comedy in iTunes, right? It hit number 11 overall once. That was the highest we ever got. Um, we got shadow band, which is annoying. That happens once in a while. Like, you know, things happen. People may have complained about the content. I don't fucking know. Right. Hmm. But, um, I would love to see it get back in the charts. We're on the comedy interview charts all the time, huh. right? Okay. But the regular comedy charts, which is a subset, com- the comedy interview is a subset of comedy, you know? So you could be number one in comedy interview, but you might only be 100 on comedy, you know, however it works, right? Okay. I'd love to see the show get back onto the comedy charts. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I'd love that it been I'm fine with it being just in comedy interview. That's what happens. It's still something, right? Yeah. I don't know. Charts shouldn't matter, but sometimes it just matters. I'd love to double our numbers. That's what I look at it. You know, you're never happy. Yeah. I remember talking to a guy who had like 200,000 views on his YouTube videos, right? And I was like, dude, I got to, he's a comedy comic friend of mine. I don't want to say his name, I don't want to throw him under the bus for this comment, but like, dude, fucking man, congratulations, your show's doing great. And his response was, I don't know, fucking Joe Rogan gets 20 million per view. So am I doing great? You know, I was like, so no matter how good you're doing, you're always there's always somebody doing better, so just be happy with where you're at. You know, if you have ten thousand listeners to your podcast, there's somebody with eighty listeners that would give their left arm for those ten thousand. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, why don't I have a hundred thousand? Right? So it just it's you're never happy, and you should never be happy. You should always be striving to do better. But what I've tried to do now more than ever, partly because of Good Sugar Podcast and they were I just being in the moment and being fucking happy with what you have. You know. When is enough enough? You know, that's the question. That, forget who said that. But I'm pretty content with where we are. Of course, I'd love things to keep going in the right direction. But I'm pretty content. Like, if, it, if this is where it is, I'm happy with where, where we are. You know, a, I've carved out my cute little niche
0: yeah you've done a lot more than i have i mean just the mark cuban and sebastian bach those are two that i would love to have on my
1: show so that's really well, cool don't tell sebastian you know me because that ain't gonna help your interviews at all yeah no no,
0: no. i think I, I may have a connection there so i think oh you're friends with us who are some other rock stars you're friends with i, I heard you say bumblefoot and uh corey comedian Lover. craig gas and
1: Craig Gas, corey glover i'm a bunch you know i know a lot of them you know i've been doing this for a long fucking time uh i see D. Snyder. i'm friends with d uh oh, well, I mean, a bunch of guys. It's been a—I've been doing this a long, a, a long time. So you—you you tend to. None of them, I would say, by the way, other than Corey, I would say Corey Glover, definitely friends. Okay. Most of them, we are casual acquaintances. Fair you know, enough. Like I remember yeah. the funny, stupid story. I went to a friend's wedding in um, Vegas. This is ten years ago, right? I didn't know anybody else there. I just knew him and the and the and the the bride and the groom. And I was there with a bunch of people I didn't know. And we're sitting at a, I think it was the hard rock or whatever. And most of the people were roughly my age or give or take. And Vince Neil walks by with two girls, right? He's walking by and everyone's like, holy shit, it's Vince Neil. And he just comes up and goes, Hey Ralph, what's up? And gives me a high five. I'm like, good to see you. I'm actually here for a wedding. He's like, all right, cool man. Be good. And he walked away. And they're all like, who the fuck are you? (laughs) Like, how the fuck did that happen? And so that's funny to me. Those kind of things you know, uh, one of the other one time fucking David Coverdale opened when uh, Whitesnake Judas Priest were on tour and we were at, I was like fourth or fifth row watching Whitesnake. He just starts talking to me from the stage. <laughs> you know, like having a conversation. Hey, that's hey, awesome. You. I'm like, yeah, hey, good to see you. It's like, oh, come back after the set. Like, cool, man. And everyone around was like, who the fuck, what the fuck are you? You're nobody. Yeah. What's going on here? You know? So those moments are the ones that I'm like, oh, my God, that's like the coolest thing in the world.
0: Yeah, to me too. I think that's super cool. You say like, Oh, I don't want to name drop. I'm like, I love hearing the name drops because I'm interested in this, this field and these people like people that are successful and interesting and do amazing things like be rock stars because I have no musical talent. So for me to see them do that, I'm like, that's amazing.
1: Find the video of me singing I remember you and you will see I also have no music.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Is there anything else I missed? Anything else you want to promote or
1: Uh, it's very simple. Follow me everywhere at I am Ralph Sutton, I A M Ralph Sutton, and that is across all platforms, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you, YouTube, I don't really post. I mean, I'm really on Instagram. I just added TikTok because I feel you have to. I have a whopping 100 fans.
0: On, <laughs> I'll, I'll follow you on TikTok. Let's follow yeah, each other.
1: Follow, yeah, I'll follow. We'll follow each other on TikTok. I don't know if we follow each other on Instagram, but I'll follow you on tic, on Instagram. Yeah,
0: Instagram. I follow you. I don't know. You don't follow me. Uh, I'll, look, I'll
1: look. Up. I'll follow you back. <laughs> I'm used to but, um, not being followed back. It's okay. <laughs> I'll follow you back. Oh, yeah, thanks. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, and just listen to the show. I all I care about with with SDR and good sugar. Just listen to the show. You don't need to subscribe or pay at gas digital or whatever. Just listen to the show and enjoy it for the nonsense that it is and just have fun. That's all yeah. I care about.
0: Well, no, and I I the SDR's YouTube and it's got like eighty-five thousand or uh yeah, eighty-five thousand subscribers, something like that. So I, I there's a lot of yet. clips like and my thing is like there's so many podcasts out there. I don't have time to listen to every podcast, but I have time to listen to clips and I have time to listen to certain episodes that I you know, even like yeah. Howard Stern and Joe Rogan, who I love i can't i just don't have time to catch every one of their episodes especially the three hours but like there's certain like the Ro- one of the rogan episodes where you just had the girl from north korea i don't know if you heard that one that was mind boggling that was, that, was
1: that, several of my friends have done joe rogan i've never done it right i wish i could but i've never i doubt he'll ever ask me but um your friends I've have done joe like comedians or oh yeah I, big j my co-host has okay. done it a bunch of times oh. um Michael Malice, who's on my network, done a bunch of times. Tim Dillon, who started at my love network, Dylan, it, love Tim Dillon. he started on my network. You, you know, a good friend of mine. He's on my network. Wow, um, he's done it a bunch of times. Um, I have never made it. Oh, Mark Norman, you know a lot. A lot. Of oh, I love him. Yeah, he was on my show. Yeah, uh, I've never made it through a full episode of any of them because it's three fucking hours. I who the fuck <laughs> has that kind of done? You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, so I, I that's listened that's to someone. A I
0: was on a, I was just on a big road trip. Uh, for the rockin' pod. did You 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 never went to that one, have you?
1: I've been offered to go. Okay. But I, I don't mean to shit on anything, but if you're, and this sounds so fucking douchey. So I apologize, Chuck. No, no, but no. If you're asking me to go for a weekend and you're not paying me to go, I can't do it. It just doesn't right. make sense for me. You know, like, that makes I, sense. I appreciate it, but if you're at least gonna make me a featured speaker and mm-hmm. pay me, I'm not gonna go just to press hands with other podcasters. I appreciate it. But, and they've offered me to go. And I, I know the guys that have put it on. Yeah. I, I just can't. I can't. You know, I mean. So they you offered
0: think, you to go, but they, they wouldn't put you up in the hotel.
1: And, and not pay me.
0: So is know, that. So the people that are speakers, are, did they not? Did they just do it themselves? Know. Maybe they
1: just. I, I don't Maybe that a different deal. They offered other people. What okay. I'm saying is like, if you don't think me having 4 million listeners and having tens of thousands of paid subscribers doesn't warrant. Speaking at a at a at one of these things in this field, mm-hmm. and my twenty year history in a radio show yeah. that had a hundred, then I, I, I can't I don't know what to tell you I'm not coming. I don't mean to be a dick about it, but I appreciate the offer <laughs> to just go and and hang out with people. But I'm yeah. not I'm not doing it.
0: It is fun though. Yeah, I mean, but uh, I totally understand that. That makes sense. Well, cool. Well, uh, uh, oh, I always like to end each episode with a charity. I don't know if your PR person told you. Is there a charity that you like to support or throw? Uh, just a you quick know, I'll shout out to one,
1: just because. Um, What's his name? Um, Carrot Top mentioned he does a lot of work with them. And I, I'll just mention that when I asked him, did he pick it because he got mistaken for him a lot of times. It's Ronald McDonald House. <laughs> <is> almost exactly <laughs> his name. And he said he does a lot of work with them. So okay. I don't have a specific charity. I used to work with Cancer Sucks when I was on the um, boat as their auctioneer. Okay. I did that for a bunch of years, but I wasn't on last year. But I, they're a great charity also. So okay. I'll mention both those.
0: Cool. Cancer Perfect. Top, I'll put that in the Ronald notes. I'll put your website in there. And then yeah, if people want to um, throw a few bucks at the charity. I always try to just do something at the end here to
1: make the world better since we're, and there's a charity for me if they go fund me to go to, uh, Ukraine and sleep with foreign prostitutes. You can invest there. I'm just, I can't tell know. if you're joking or not because
0: <laughs> you guys joking. do so much crazy shit. I'm like, maybe there is, wasn't there we a did thing? Go
1: fund me for, for our producer, Shannon to fly <laughs> to Italy, to, f- to have sex with a male porn star that she was in love with. He agreed to do it. But then he disappeared. Like we were going to bring him on. We set up the channel. We started getting funds in and then he was going to come on and talk about it. And then he bailed, but she was going to fly. She's a, the, her only porn star crush is this big diesel dude named Rob diesel. And we were going to fly her out to have sex with him. And then the guy bailed on us. It was so weird.
0: Yeah. And I heard you say there's like another thing you're doing. Where you're going to have a hundred dollar hooker and a thousand dollar hooker we and see that. if somebody did right. you did that and one. That okay. The,
1: that was the oral Olympics where we hired a hundred dollar escort and a $1000 escort and we got blindfolded 1 minute blow jobs yeah. to see if it's worth the extra 900 So could they tell record. the difference? We, we we did it. I picked both Jay and I did it and okay. we both picked the $100 escort. Really? When you when you take out the, you can't see them, you uh, can't touch them. Huh. Your hands are behind your back, you're just blindfolded and for 1 minute each of them did oral on us and then we had to say did you like A or B better? We didn't know who was A yeah, or B yeah. and we both picked the the girl that was the $100 girl
0: crazy all right well yeah i'll have to check out more of your content it sounds hilarious so
1: thanks tonight so much Have a mother tonight we have a mother and daughter uh porn i don't know if they're porn stars or whatever but it's a gorgeous woman she, her name is victoria is she's the only one of the few women that was featured in playboy and penthouse oh. she got married she was out of the game she's getting back into like i don't know what you call like cam modeling or whatever and now she's trying to talk she's getting her daughter into it who's 19 years old and they're coming in together, and I'm like, "This is going to be a fucking weird episode." <laughs> but I'm down. How do are you guys not
0: canceled yet? This is wait. I mean, you, <laughs> you, the Def Leopard's abs get you canceled, but yeah. this doesn't.
1: Okay. Well, well, we always severely edit these. Oh, know, okay. When go, sure. The clips go on. It's all you have to pay online to see anything really.
0: The bad. paywall, yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, thanks, Ralph. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you, buddy. All right, I'll talk to you later. Ralph Sutton, check out his podcast, the SDR Show. Or for health and wellness tips, you can listen to the Good Sugar podcast. And as he said, you can follow him on social media to keep up with what he's doing. Uh, Follow me too. And you can subscribe to both of our YouTube channels. And again, I'm really trying to get to that 1,000 subscriber mark. And I think we're going to get there with your support. Uh, Your comments, likes, and shares mean so much to me. So for those of you doing that, please know that I really appreciate you and your support. It really means the world to me. So have a great rest of your day and remember to shoot for the moon.